today and next Sunday are the last two Sundays in our journey through James Faith Bit. Get your faith moving. James 1 and verse 22. How many wristbands still going? Still got some out there? Yeah, yeah. It's a good reminder. Pastor James, remember, is writing to his friends in Jerusalem, excuse me, who used to be in his church in Jerusalem. They fled because of intense persecution. You want to read about that? Look that up in the book of Acts chapter 8. Now, this is uh, likely the very first New Testament book written. You, now you know the trivia answer. What's well, likely the very first New Testament book written? It's the book of... There you go. So, we're talking now 20, 30 years later, and now life's getting back to a bit of normal. They, they've got new, um, new houses, they've got new businesses, new jobs, new cities... Uh, now they're settling in with new friends, uh, a new church down the road getting reestablished. And now James is going to warn them about something that's starting to happen. He, he's going to warn them and he's going to warn us about something that's really common if we're not careful. And here's, here's the warning. We can get so busy and so focused on the details of life we can become so preoccupied with the frantic pace, the loud noise of life, that we forget to be still and listen to the still small voice of God. You understand? Uh, the, the temptation here is we get so running around with the frantic pace and the loud noise that we're neglecting seeking God and listening to His wisdom. We're not seeking Him for direction for daily living. Uh, probably they had good reason, you know. Now things are starting to get back to fairly normal now. And now I've got a business to run. I've got friends to make. I, I need to start living daily. And now they were forgetting to seek Jesus and His face uh, margin is disappearing from their lives. Why? Because they're really busy. And now they're making decisions about their life and they're neglecting to talk and seek the Lord and His wisdom on their plans. You know, we get, we've got children that need to go, go to school and they're just talking it over and they're making decisions without ever discussing. Where, where are we going to send our kids to school? Got to make a plan but they weren't talking to the Lord about it first. We need to purchase some stuff. We need to, to buy a house, to buy a car, to buy a snowmobile. And we neglect talking to Jesus and, and asking Him His input, inviting Him to show us and lead us. Uh, Lord, how should I finance it? Should I, should, I pay, should I pay cash? Lord, do I even really need a new car? Should I consider used? Lord, would you show me? They were neglecting talking to the Lord about major decisions in their life. The craziness of life was squeezing the time and they weren't seeking the mind of Christ and His will. Why? Too busy. The frantic pace of life just got them overwhelmed. I think it's interesting that we think we're the first people who were ever busy. 
We think we're the only, well, well, they weren't. No, James is writing here and he's telling us it was a very real problem in the early church. They weren't pausing to take time to ask and seek and knock at the Lord's door regarding what was going on in their life. They were just rushing into decisions. And I would argue what they struggled with, we're still challenged with. Would you not agree? Today, we're still so busy, we got so many things to do, so many places to go, that if we're not careful, we too will neglect talking to the Lord about what we should do, seeking His mind, asking for His wisdom and His direction. Please locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, James chapter 4. We're going to be down the last few verses. He's challenging us. He's challenging the early church about making plans without first consulting the Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? James chapter 4, we'll start with verse 13. We'll read on down through the end of the chapter, verse 17. Here we go. Read with me. Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Let's pray. Lord, even in northern Michigan, we just confess life seems to be getting busier and faster and louder. And we recognize, Lord, that we don't control the, uh, the treadmill switch to turn it down. We, we, we wouldn't be able to do that. So would you show us, Lord, uh, why including you in all of our plans is so needed and necessary? And Lord, I'm asking that you might show us clearly the danger that comes our way when we neglect to talk to you about decisions we're about to make. So show us clearly today from your book. Lord, your word is our roadmap, our instruction manual for life. And uh, what we just read, I'm praying, might come alive today in your church. Speak, Lord. We're listening to your inspired word. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. You can be seated. Verse 13, now listen, James writing to his friends, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city, we're going to spend a year there, we're going we're, we're to carry on business, and here's what I know, we're going to make money. <laughs> James is writing to smart people, successful businessmen, businesswomen. He's writing to people who knew what they were doing. He says, look again, verse 13, you've got a plan and you're leaving room for some contingencies. Might leave today, might leave tomorrow. We'll, uh, 
We'll see how it goes. It depends on some variables. Uh, you know where you're going. I'm going to go to Detroit. I'm going to I'm going to drive down to Grand Rapids. I'm going to drive to Lansing. I'm going to drive up to the Sioux. So so you have a plan in mind, and your goal is clear. What's the goal? End of verse 13. Your goal is to make money. Okay. So listen. I want to say I want to say this clearly to begin. Nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with thinking ahead. There's certainly nothing wrong with goals and strategic ideas. Matter of fact, when you read the book of Proverbs, it seems to say those are good things. Got it? So that's not what James is saying. Uh, Instead, he's saying the problem is you're making plans, you've got all of these contingencies, and you've left Jesus out of them. That's the problem making plans, making decisions, and you neglected Jesus Christ, your Savior and your Lord. Okay? They were behaving as though they were masters of their own fate. They were behaving and presuming, I control the future and I know exactly what's going to happen. They were presuming that their plans were brilliant and bulletproof Therefore, I don't need you, Lord. Thank you, but I got this because I'm a really great business mind. I I just have this. They are acting like practical atheists. Here's what I mean by that. In practice, they were behaving as, uh, Lord, I, I, I know you've saved my soul and I know I got my ticket to heaven, but I really don't need you in my day to day life. I give you two hours every Sunday morning. You should be happy with that. Thank you. I'll listen again on Sunday, but the rest of the week I got this. I don't think I need you. I'm pretty sure I can handle this. Besides, you know it and I know it. I'm really good at making money. This uh, Christian business person is thinking and behaving like a fool. Like a fool. Not because he's making plans and has dreams, They're foolish not because they want to make a profit. They were foolish because they left behind the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They they didn't bring Jesus into their plans and their decisions. That's why they were foolish. Thanks, Lord, but I think I'm going to be fine. He continues. He warns us. Verse 14, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't, you don't even know what's going on tomorrow. Uh, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The first why that we should include Jesus in all of our plans, give me your eyes, we're all just one buzzing cell phone call away from something that will change our life drastically. Sometimes for good, Usually not so much. We're all just one cell phone call away from trouble. Our lives are fragile. We don't like to think of ourselves that way, do we? I like to think, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm strong. But it only takes one speeding car, uh, a sudden stroke, or a doctor's diagnosis and everything changes. Our lives, I'll say it again, are way more fragile than we like to admit. Uh, 
Life is a mist. Go back to verse 14. It's interesting. Uh, a vapor. He's not even talking about the fog that rolls up on uh, Walloon some mornings and you look and it's there for a few hours. That's not even the word he uses. The word for mist, the word for vapor is more like uh, you're holding your coffee and you see a little steam roll off for a few seconds. That's the word he uses. You're just a few seconds in view of eternity past and eternity to come. We're just a few seconds here on planet Earth. That's our lives. You're just a mist. You're just a vapor. Our lives are really, really short, and we can't do anything to change it. That's the, that's the interest. There, there, we can't add to our days, God's Word says, and we can't. It's, it's already written in His book. He knows how long we're here. Now, here's the point. We compare our lack. I'm just here for just a bit. I'm fragile. Things could change in a heartbeat. And we have this king who's taken our place on the cross. Think with me now. And he's all-powerful. And this king of kings, Jesus Christ, is all-knowing. And we've got this king that the demons are afraid of. And they plead and they beg. And if you turn to the end of the book, if you flip to the end, Revelation 20, it says one little word from the mouth of Jesus will destroy Satan and his demonic arm. One word. I, I'm not sure what the word is, but, but here's what I know. I am wins. Boom! Jesus wins. Okay, now he's living here and he's saying, phone a friend, phone a friend, I'll tell you what to do. The creator, the sustainer of the universe has a plan and a purpose for you and me. He's never failed us. He never will. And now we're just going to rush into life and not even consult him? Really? We're just going to go and make plans and make strategic decisions and never talk to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who knows exactly where we need to go and he knows where we shouldn't be going. And he's saying, you're not even talking to me? You're not even consulting me? You're just going to rush through this mist of life and not cry out to Jesus for wisdom and insight and direction? What are you thinking? And clearly, they weren't. And clearly, sadly, oftentimes we're not. We're not thinking. So what are you suggesting, James? How should we approach planning and decision-making? Just so happens he gives us answers. Look back, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's will will live and do this or that. Let that soak in. Instead, we ought to be saying, if the Lord's will will live and do that. Okay? There's a better way than presuming that I know all I need to know and I'll be fine. There's a better way than saying, I don't think I need you, Jesus, as I make this plan. So he says the better way, look at verse 15, is, is to say, if the Lord will. If, if the Lord's will, I'm going to do this. Now, now, pause for a moment. It's not a magic spiritual abracadabra. That's not what he's saying. So if you say, if the, Lord, if the Lord wills, then everything's going to go wonderful. 
Instead, he's saying, this is a phrase that if you start saying it and thinking it, it will remind us who's in charge. Does that make sense? Who, who's, who's the one who really is the ruler of the universe and it's not me? It, it's a phrase that if we'll start using and thinking, we'll adjust our, our plans and include Jesus. In other words, it'll remind us who gives guidance, who gives wisdom, who knows all of our plans. Oh yeah, I should, I should include you, Lord. Example, Acts chapter 18. Paul is in the city of Ephesus. He's about ready to leave. And the people say, Paul, don't, don't leave. Please don't leave. Just stay. Stay longer. And he says, no, I have to go. The Lord's made some things clear. I have other plans. But I'll return and come back. And here's what Paul says. If God wills. If God wills, I'll be back. He seems to be saying, I hope I can come back. I really want to come back. Uh, if it's up to me, I'm going to come back. But you need to know, I'll come back if God wills. If he opens the doors and, and shows me I can come back, I'll come back. But I, even the Apostle Paul was saying and using that language. If God wills, I'll be back. Verse 16. As it is... You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. These Christian men and women, businessmen and women, they were making plans, please understand, with their old, sinful, selfish uh, flash in charge. Matthew, excuse me, James 4, 1 to 5, we looked at this a few weeks ago. There, it says, you got one source of wisdom, verse uh, 15, it's earthly, it's demonic, it's unspiritual, chapter 3, 17 and 18. Oh, and there's this other source of wisdom that comes from Jesus Christ. And it's pure, and it's right, and it brings lasting fruit. You understand? So you got two sources of wisdom here, and, and James is saying you're making plans and making decisions with demonic wisdom, uh, with, with old earthly selfish Jeff in charge is how you're living, and he's saying you need to stop that. You're living in pride. You're living in self-sufficiency. You're thinking you can handle it, and look at verse 16, what he calls that. That's arrogant, and that's evil. So when I, when I choose just to march on in my day and I never consult the Lord, he says that's living in pride, that's living in arrogance, that's literally living in evil. <laughs> Strong words. Verse 17, and when we're living that way, we're missing the plans and the purposes and the good stuff that Jesus wants us to be involved in. Verse 17 it can be used in really strange ways. Look, let's read it again. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. You know the primary thing he's talking about? If you know the good you ought to do, which is what? Asking the Lord to guide your plans. Lord, give me direction, give me guidance, give me wisdom. 
If I don't do that, then I'm going to miss out on lots of good stuff that I should be involved in. I, I'm, I'm going to have a wonderful day if I, if I consult the Lord. If I don't, I'm going to miss sin of omission, all sorts of stuff. So, let's just kind of summarize here. Christians were saying, in effect, sovereign ruler, savior of my soul, the one who took my place on the cross, thank you very much. I don't think I need you today. I give you Sunday mornings. I'll take the rest of my life. I make calls. I'll call the shots. I'll cry out if I get in a really bad jam. But I think I got this. Now here's what that would be like. Men, listen close. Chase, you can listen here too because you're not quite married, but you'll get it, okay? How would this work if you treated your wife or your girlfriend or your fiancé this way? And here's what you would say. Brant would say to Christine, Christine, tonight, Tuesday night is date night. I give you fully the next two hours. You got my ears. You got my heart. I love you strong. But then the rest of the week, leave me alone. Rest of the week, I just want you to know, I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> no thanks, I, I know you got thoughts, you got ideas, but, but I gave you date night. Rest of the time, I got it, you'll be fine. Just remember, we'll be better, back together again next Tuesday on date night. Hey guys, <clears throat> how's that going to fly? Hey ladies, <laughs> wives, girlfriends, fiancés, how's that going to fly for you? Okay? Uh, we know that would never fly with our spouses, with the women in our life, but that's how we treat our King and Savior and Lord, and we're surprised that's a problem. You understand? What we're saying is, rest of the week, pretty much I got this, unless it's really, really, if I realize I'm really overwhelmed, then maybe I'll seek your guidance, but otherwise, most days I got it. <laughs> really? And now you're surprised? that you're struggling? As we conclude this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Colossians. Would you? Because the Apostle Paul agrees with uh, James here. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, they're both pretty much saying the same thing, but I just want to show you the same idea in different form. We'll read the first four verses. Colossians chapter 3. This is how um, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, puts it down for us. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Spiritually, positionally, we've been raised and we're right at the right hand of Christ. Verse 2, Set your mind on things above, not on the old earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with Him in glory. Now, <laughs> Paul is saying, you know what? We have been raised with, our, positionally, we are already at the right hand of Jesus Christ. And right now he's saying Christ is our life. And I think we forget that. All that we do, every plan I make, every decision that I'm about to make 
should be informed by the greatest reality in my life. And what's the greatest reality in my life? What's the greatest reality in yours? I'm a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. Jesus is now my life. Do you understand? So suddenly now, everything I'm about, all the decisions I make, all the plans that I I need to form, Jesus is my life. I, I live generously. Why? Because Jesus is my life. I love my wife well. Why? Because Jesus is my life. I work hard on the job because Jesus is my life. It's, it's fairly straightforward, but I promise you, in our day-to-day, busy, frantic lives, we forget the most basic reality. Jesus is large and in charge, or at least He should be. Jesus is the King of my life. He's the overseer of my soul, First Peter 2. We looked at that earlier. And therefore, everywhere I go, I take that with me. I remember, Jesus, that's right, you took my place on the cross. You shed your blood for my sin problem. You early Sunday morning arose victoriously from the dead. Now, Jesus, my life belongs to you. At home, at work, when I'm involved in my favorite hobby, wherever I go, bring Jesus Christ into every corner of your life. That's what James is saying. And he's giving a little whooping, I'm telling you. He's saying, you've forgotten that. You're making plans, you're making decisions as though you don't need Jesus, and He's your everything. He he has come, and He's changed everything. Now live that way. Now think about it. He's saying, I know, you're just a mist, you're just a vapor in, in view of eternity past and eternity to come. This is our lives. Can you snap your fingers? In view of eternity past and eternity come, snap your fingers. This is our life. That's it. He says, but you know what? That, I want to do something with that in your life. I want to make a difference. I want to use you to accomplish my plans. So you just keep running, and I know you don't know where you're going, but you just keep talking to me, and I know sometimes you fall down. It's okay. I'll help you back up, get washed, get cleansed, and now you just keep running. I'm right there at your side. I'll keep on encouraging and empowering and sustaining you because our job is to walk with Jesus, large and in charge, till we reach the finish line of glory with Christ at our side. And I tell you what, and at that moment... Then you're face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We don't live daily without consulting the King. I I don't make decisions. Why? Because I need you, Jesus. Even in the ordinary, everyday hours of my life, I need you. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And so do you. Let's pray as we close. Lord, uh, We just acknowledge it's so easy in in the frantic pace of life to forget about you. And Lord, we're sorry. (laughs) We're sorry that we make decisions and plans and, and we don't even consult you. 
We don't even talk to you about some of the major stuff and even the minor stuff going on in our lives. We just acknowledge we're limited, Lord. We're fragile. We don't know very much. We've got really not much power. And yet you've invited us to be your children. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. Wow. Would you help us this week ahead to remember that you're all-knowing and all-powerful and you truly want to be involved in each and every one of our lives every day? Lord, help us to uh, make if God wills. If you will, if this is what you want, help us, Lord, to make that a part of our thinking and our vocabulary. Help us to remember it's all about what you show us. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know your Son as Savior and Lord, if there's anybody here who's never had their sins washed and cleansed by the shed blood of your Son, Jesus, if there's anybody who's never received the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the victorious one over sin and Satan and death, would you make them hungry and thirsty to know you as Savior and Lord and King and friend that sticks closer than a brother? We love you and we're grateful, Lord, that you want to walk with us. And now as the ushers come forward to receive our benevolent offering, Lord, we just want to say, would you please take these gifts and bring hope and help and love and encouragement to the folks in the needs program? Most of them outside the church family, Lord, might they realize that they're loved and bring hope and help and love to those in our church family who will receive some of these funds as well. We ask this all in Jesus' awesome name. Thank you.